live and local across the city and South Cambridgeshire. This is Alex Elbro. Cambridge 105 Radio. We're coming up shortly to the quarterfinals in the FIFA Women's World Cup. And I'm back here with Harley Jean Simpson from the Cambridge United Women's Squad and also Darren Marjoram, who's their head coach. And we can go through the games for the knockout rounds. Now, this time last week, Harley Jean, we were pretty confident in England, weren't we, with the uh, win against China? Yeah, we really were. You know, we went in 6-1 and um, ready for the next game. But well, I guess we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, yeah, we've had all the knockout games now. And I think it has thrown up quite a few surprises that uh, some people that got through to that knockout round, uh, we weren't expecting and vice versa. Some of the big names weren't in it. What do you reckon, Darren? Yeah, I think you find this in knockout tournaments, you know, where before the tournament starts, you, you kind of have these teams picked out. And, and I certainly had some who I thought, you know, would, would be going right to the latter stages. And, and you do get these surprises. But I think it's kind of a sign of how strong it's getting across all the nations. You know, it's not just the nations that have been strong for the last sort of 10 or 15 years are dominating still. There's there's lots of other countries that are playing a part now. And that's really nice to see. We want that. You know, it'll only make the competition stronger as we go forward. So, yeah, there have been some surprises, definitely. And I'm just glad that England wasn't one of them in the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. They certainly put us through it, though. One of the commentaries I was hearing while I was watching the game, they were saying that, especially for women's football, because it hasn't had the same tradition always in every country that the men's game has, that some of the countries you think, oh, yeah, well, they wouldn't have a very good team. But they were all caught up now. And so everyone's playing on a similar bar, which I think is a really good thing. It makes it really competitive, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. It makes it stronger across the board, which is what we want for these kind of competitions. You know, in, in the past, it could be that maybe you know there'd be a handful of nations that you know are going to dominate it's kind of nice isn't it when there's a competition where it could be that anybody could potentially knock anybody else out and I think that's what we're seeing now and and certainly with women's football it's growing so quickly across the world that I think this is what we was always likely to see is that there'd be nations that would that would catch up and you know looking forwards it'll be interesting to see how this goes now over the next sort of four to eight year cycle you know are those teams going to continue dominance because we see it in the men's game sometimes where a, where a team might have two or three really good players and will pop up with what looks like like a surprise at the time but then as that sort of core of players in their team age then they they fall away again so it'll be interesting to see whether this is something those countries sustain or, or whether it is sort of a one-off thing yeah what, what do you think Harley Jean in terms of the you know the national game rather than the international game because you've, you've got a good view on that I think yeah I mean it's 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 building really really nicely and and it's almost been put on a platform now whereas previous years you know it was less talked about there was less attendance at games where you know you look at Arsenal women's now and they're selling out the state you know where the men's play so we're on a platform now and they play their home games there as well and I think you know you can just really see how the women's game has grown over the last maybe three years if we put a bit of a time stamp on it and how it's just setting almost the ambition now and for the younger girls coming up there is that platform that they can have you know it's a professional sport and it's 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 amazing you know if, if I was a young girl now I'd be looking up at those other girls and just thinking you know that could be me one day I think it's absolutely fantastic really so yeah. It's definitely having those role models, isn't it? Because if you can't see it, you can't be it, as they say, for many things. After our interview went out last week, I had somebody message in and they said, have you seen the French advert for Orange advert? I don't know whether you've seen it for the World mm -hmm. Cup, where they've superimposed the famous men's footballer heads on the women's team. And they've shown all these fantastic goals and saves and tackles. And so people watching it thinking, oh, yeah, well, of course, they're all men playing this really good game. And it 
it's actually the women's team, which is trying to point out when you get this, oh, well, it's not the same, is it? I thought it's a really smart, clever advert, but it shows that even these big companies are put themselves behind it now. Yeah, I saw that advert and I think most of the squad did. It was shared amongst the squad a few times. And it, and it's it's great, isn't it, for people to kind of make it clear that your perception of who you're watching is affecting you. Like, you know, actually they were female players playing the same sport. And had you have got rid of that perception for a lot of people, you you would be saying, what a fantastic display of talent that is. And, and that's what we tried to get across, really, from our perspective as a club and as a team. You know, we want people to come and watch Cambridge United Women because the standard of what you watch, you watch, if you can remove that perception, is way above what a lot of people think so it was nice to see that somebody's kind of making it quite clear and it, and it was shared I think it went quite viral so, so you know hopefully a lot of people have seen that and thought actually you know maybe we should go and watch a game that's what we'd like to think anyway going back to the knockout rounds we thought that we would be all right we thought England versus Nigeria even though Harley Jean last week you'd said they had a good striker and yeah it was like a different game again on a Monday morning I dragged myself out of bed and then I was a nervous wreck by lunchtime <laughs> yeah it certainly had everybody on their edge and, and uh, you know you have to give credit to Nigeria as much as we're saying that we're all saying that England probably were nervy on the day and underperformed a bit to their level but I think you have to give a lot of credit to Nigeria and the goalkeeping performance in particular was outstanding so yeah I think there's a balance of, of the two we probably didn't play to our level but they they showed exactly how good they can be yeah and it was a real it was a real nerve-wracking experience wasn't it and you know, then with the player sent off as well and going it was almost a case of I thought our best chance was probably to hang on in extra time and, and see if we could get to penalties I'd you know, we've got players that have played in those pressure situations of a Euros final, for example. So we might have had an edge if we could get there. I was just hoping that we could get there. Was the main yeah, thing. And, we, and we did, thank goodness, because I, I feel the same. It felt really like England were just having to play defensively because it felt like they were on the attack all the time. And when they got the chances, like you said, their goalie was really good. And also they got their defence back really fast. Yeah, um, they were good, weren't they? Really organised. So, so one of the questions I have, I have them all written down here, taking notes these days. I'm a different person. <laughs> <laughs> now, there was a penalty potential penalty that was disallowed early on which would have been a penalty for England did you think that could have been a penalty or do you think they were kind of quite right to to have just said it was no penalty I felt at the time it, it probably could have been if I'm honest but then there was a situation later on where it could have been the it same could be the other way, way. yeah yeah so I suppose, um, so yeah. you know as they say in football it, it evened itself out but it's a, it's a difficult one because um it's not probably as clear-cut as some some decisions would be but you know you certainly do see those given at times I, I felt like it could have been at the time but as I say is it happened it it probably yeah. evened itself out with the decision later on from my point of view it seemed that it did seem like a foul and you know originally a penalty was given but then of course VAR said oh no it wasn't intentional but I thought a lot of time you'd fouls are given even if someone runs into someone and they count it as a foul but yeah. because it's in the penalty box of course it, it gives it a more edge that you can't just say okay you get a free kick Do so you know what? that's a very felt, very intelligent thing to say I felt like mm, I think they're just like letting them off was yeah. what I thought I, I say the same thing all the time actually you know if you look at a foul should be a foul because the rule is exactly the same no matter where it is on the pitch but you know how many times do you see something like that if that was outside I think it gets given and especially if it's somewhere sort of around the halfway line middle of the pitch where it's a non-dangerous situation I think it probably gets given purely because it has impeded play the level of jeopardy on that decision is less because it's not a penalty so I think you probably do see those given and I think that's where the rules and the interpretation of them just generally in football become quite difficult and even yeah. though they have VAR to review it it's still the same level of this is a very big decision if we give it so um, I think that's a really wise thing to say that sometimes you see these incidents and think well had that been in another area of the pitch I think that probably gets given Now what do you think Harley Jean have you seen that sort of thing before and, and thought well you know mm. yeah 100% but I think 
sometimes it's just the nature of the game, like depending on if, you know, the referees on the pitch, the players on the pitch, the referee can gauge what's going on and hear the chit chat in between the players. And I think if it's more of a heated moment, then the ref will call it just to bring the game down again and, you know, bring it under control. Whereas if actually as players, if we can play on, it's much better in some situations to keep the game going rather than this stop and start, stop and start, because then the game starts to break down. And then, you know, as we've noticed, football is all about momentum. So England went and won, had a great result previously, whereas this game, it's a very different game. And yes, we built momentum, but the nature of the sport is anything can happen so um, I'm all for refs trying to keep the game going 100% it's much better for the players on the pitch yeah I know. unless it's in our favour Harley Jean in which case we're all <laughs> yeah. calling for a foul right <laughs> absolutely Obviously, yes coach yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I think also mentally I think if you could just get over it if they say either way it's either a penalty or it's not and if it's not given as a penalty you don't think harbour that oh that's really annoying we should have had that and that we go right move on and, yeah. and next thing yeah. I'm guessing that probably helps you better mentally otherwise you're hanging on to something and they've yeah. run up the pitch and scored if you're not careful yeah I mean it's, it's really hard to judge because each game is very very different to the next but I think and hence why VAR has come in and then so much discussion around VAR. <laughs> yeah. it's good it's bad it's bad it's good but essentially we're only trying to make the game better and fairer and, and you know to keep people happy rather than they feel in, you know done by that was yeah. a bad decision. we should have had a penalty why didn't we have a penalty and then they went and lose you know lost one one nil for example so I think VAR is excellent in that sense but at the same time it does break down the game and then you you know as a player you're frustrated going what's happening is it a goal is it a penalty mm. so it's really good to have your points of view on that and also to admit the fact that even with VAR it's really hard yeah right the last one I want well two more things Lauren James got very upset and then she ended up doing a foul now I really felt for her because it was a silly thing and, and she said it herself she's apologized she apologized to the player and said it was a heated moment she's frustrated it was four minutes before the end of the match but she's only 21 you don't want that then to find the rest of your life it's a really important point to say she you know she's 21 she's got so much that she'll still learn, not just from this experience, but from lots. And I think this is the one thing that worries me slightly. You know, the women's game is really popular now and there's a lot more publicity. And we've seen it in the men's game a few times where, you know, people get get really sort of dragged over the coals for, for decisions that they make on the heat, of the heat of the moment. And it is a heat of the moment thing that happens. And, and I just hope that people go easier. And it feels like that's been the, the sort of the context that's been taken so far. And I just hope that continues because we're not perfect, none of us. And she's been highlighted for one moment, but there's plenty of things that happen with coaches, managers, players, referees, whatever. So hopefully she just doesn't get doesn't get given a hard time over it too much of a hard time. What do you think, Arlene? Yeah, I think it shows the nature and the context of each game because, you know, you think she's a very attacking player. That That's in her blood where she, you know, rarely attacking players in her nature like to defend. Whereas this game, you know, it, it was a very different game for the previous game where the previous game she had that freedom. She'd go and exploit players, take on players, lots of shots. Whereas this game maybe built lots of frustration. And because she wasn't playing the type of football she wanted to, you know, it just builds up. And, and in that heat of the moment, she makes a, a bad decision. But yeah, we can't judge her on that one single moment because in my opinion, the way she was going, you know, player of the tournament easily. So... And then, of course, we came to penalties. Now, I have a lot more confidence in the women's team than the men's team for doing penalties. And uh, maybe that's wrong. Yeah, what did you think of those? Yeah, I, th I thought they were good penalties and, and under that, that level of pressure. Because I think when you haven't had the best of games 
as England players will have been well aware, they will have you know, felt going into that penalty shoot that they underperformed. It adds an, another element of pressure, I think, on you because you, you've not played well and this is your chance and you feel, you know, you know it's a knockout game. It's it's, it's be all and end all time. So there was a lot of pressure on them. But, you know, all these experiences they've had and, and this is the thing about when a team does well, like we had done in the Euros last time out and won that tournament, it just builds so much belief in that you can do it because you've been in situations that have been tight before and tough and you've come through them you realize that as a team you can perform to the level you need to at that sort of level they'll be practicing those penalties time and time and time again so I, I felt that yeah well I thought that's probably where we had the edge and I, I felt when it was in extra time if we could see extra time out I felt relatively confident that we'd finish the job off with penalties and Chloe Kelly of all people you know to have scored the winner in the Euros and then you know it, it comes down to her for that deciding moment and you and, you know I don't know how you felt but I, I had a lot of confidence in her because I thought well this is a girl who knows how to handle pressure she's been there already at a young age and and I think we just see this you know this team will continue to get stronger and going through each of these moments that tough game they'll have learned more out of that than they did out of any of the three group games and and you know that's only going to stand them in good stead I think. That's a very fair point. And I think for me, not knowing it so well, but the first person, I can't remember now who it was that took the first penalty and then sadly missed. And then you think, you know, every time I feel for all of them, I think anyone taking penalties must be so brave. And obviously, wonderful Mary Earps goalie. They have nerves of steel as far as I can work out. Yeah, a bit. But I think my, my daughter's played in goal a bit and um, she always says she really enjoys penalty shootouts because she's not expected to save any. And that's the <laughs> yeah, reality, true. isn't it? From, yeah. from that distance, a goalkeeper's not really expected to make a save and certainly at that level of competition. So you you have the chance to be a hero, which is not always the case in a game in, in open play. So... I don't, I don't know about other goalkeepers, but, you know, I've spoken to two or three who seem to think, you know, that's an opportunity for them to shine. And it, it looked to me, you know, the way Mary Earps was going up and, and stepping into the goal for each of those penalties, it looked like she was very confident. She looked like she, she believed that they were going to go on and win that competition. So, yeah, I, I, I again, Mary Earps, much the same as the outfield players, I kind of felt like they, they went into that with a little bit more confidence than they had done in the open play sections. Yeah. What about you, Harley? Jean, how do you feel? Have you ever done penalties or do you have to? Yeah, no, I normally step up or put my name forward. You know, I think even for the players that do put their name forward, I think, you know, fair play because not everybody in the team is happily to put their name forward and say, yeah, I'll take a penalty. So, yeah, it's big pressure. But sometimes you've just got to, that you know, that walk up to the spot is the biggest thing and you've got to block out everything else that's going on around you because in that sense it's unopposed you know there's nothing else going on apart from that ball and that moment of of of, of trying to get it into the goal so block out all the noise and a players at that standard they all know how to hit it so that's not the problem in question it's rather the the psychological element of all that noise and pressure so if you can block out that you know i'm backing chloe kelly 100 percent yeah in theory Anyone could hit a ball into that net at that distance, but it's not just that. It's all the pressures. Like you said, if you have to block out all that, thinking what it is, where I am, I'm just doing this in the park. I've practiced this a million times. I can do this. And then it is a bit of luck if the goalie goes the right way and all that sort of thing. If you read each other and all that, isn't there? There's a, a lot going on there. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but the better players, I think, are the ones that can just step up and and yeah. know where it's going and uh, and uh, yeah, take the shot. Yeah, brilliant. Well, let's hope the next round is a bit less traumatic. But you know, a good a good game like that keeps us all on our toes, doesn't it? You wouldn't want it to be boring, would you? <laughs> well, as uh, as people say, you know, football is still an entertainment game at the end of the day. So uh, 
you know, that's probably got a lot of people waiting for the next game now and seeing whether England step up or whether they play at that, that level that they did in the last game. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's I mean, probably, probably not a bad thing. I was messaging people saying, how do you watch this for entertainment? I'm absolutely, <laughs> you know, wrecked here <laughs> getting ner with nerves. But let's hope that, yes, I'll have a more enjoyable game another time. I mean, the England-China game was a bit like that because they were really on their top form and feeling very confident. But let's look at the, the quarterfinals now. They're all being played this weekend on uh, Friday and Saturday. So we've got Spain versus Netherlands and then we've got Japan and Sweden. And now we've just heard today it's Australia, France and England are going to be playing Colombia. So any thoughts on any of those? Look, I think we're at that phase in the tournament. As you've seen from other games, anything can happen and we can always try and judge the situation and, and you know, probably Serena Wiegmann's planning and preparing the girls for that big game, but anything can happen on that day. So it will be how we start. I think, you know, Columbia, great side again, strong, physically strong, can play the ball well as well. So I think it will be that first 15, 20 minutes. If we can come out strong, get some shots off, keep the ball well, I think we'll, we'll be okay. That's what I like to hear. And what about any of the other teams? Are you thinking about any of them? It's sort of come out in the wash, hasn't it, if you know what I mean, that that they're all strong teams that are in there? Yeah, definitely. There's there's not anybody in there now that, as Harley Jean said, we've seen already in the competition, anybody can knock anybody else out. But certainly it looks like a strong lineup, doesn't it? I'm interested to see how Japan fare. Yeah. They're a really good technical side and it'll be interesting to see how they get on now for the rest of the competition. So I'm looking forward to seeing them play as well. Right. Well, thank you very much for that. I say it's England is 11.30. Nice time for us on Saturday morning. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the worst one is the Spain-Netherlands. That's at two o'clock in the morning on Friday. So I'm sorry then I won't be watching that one. <laughs> yeah, that's one for Gisela, that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And we'll speak to you next week and we'll either have good news or we'll be discussing who's going forward in the next <laughs> Exactly, yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed. Thank you, Alex. Thanks ever so much, you two. Lovely to speak to you as always. Thanks, Bye, Alex. Bye-bye. Cambridge 105 Radio.